Infinity, your weekly dose of science and technology on Radio Port Phillip with Piers Cunningham. And welcome to a special feature on National Science Week 2019. Now this is a week of all about promoting science in Australia, showcasing some of the achievements of our scientists and technicians, technologists. Uh, it goes from the 10th to the 18th of August and there's events all around the country. There's a great website to start at if, you, if you're interested and you want information about it, scienceweek.net.au. And uh, there you can actually plug in your postcode and find out events that are going on locally. Now, in the studio, joining me to have a chat about this is none other than Adam Westerway, who does a, who does another show which is completely unrelated to science. But uh, welcome, Adam. Yeah, completely the opposite. Look, uh, thank you very much for having me on today. It's a, a great week, uh, the National Science Week. From what I can read, I'm a little bit removed from it all. But look, I, I would say it looks very encouraging to children and, and people who were just like basically starting to learn about science. Does it actually um, get into the more detailed, you know, the scientific community? Yeah, it does. I think there's, well, there's, there's stuff for kids at libraries, at schools, but there's also stuff for sort of younger adults, people um, studying at universities. There's lots of stuff at universities around the country. And there's also stuff for sort of adults who are just, you know, general population who are interested in science and tech. There really is something for everyone from what I can see. And as I mentioned, that website, scienceweek.net.au, is a great place to start. Uh, and it's too late for this year, but if you've got a sort of a project or something, an outreach, might be education related, might be a science project of your own that you want to showcase, there is a system of grants that go out each year. I think it's about $500,000 that the federal government allocates. Yeah, so seed grants. Yeah. yeah. So too late for this year because Science Week's on right now as we speak, but there is the opportunity to get in for next year and get some funding if you've got something that's uh, you know, that's worthy, that, that uh, ticks enough boxes, that meets the criteria, uh, there's, uh, there's that opportunity for you for next year, 2020. Science Week in Australia, it's an annual celebration of science and technology and thousands of individuals, students, scientists, chefs, musicians get involved, take part in more than a thousand science events across the nation. It is designed for everyone, definitely not restricted to schools and universities. There are events and activities and talks and shows for every age group. And it is an opportunity also to acknowledge the contribution of Australian scientists to the world's knowledge and aims to encourage an interest in science pursuits among the general public and to encourage younger people also to become fascinated by the world we live in. And, you know, you can, it doesn't have to think very far to start to think of some of the applications of a, of a background in science or science expertise. The world's faced with climate change. We've watched half of the Great Barrier Reef bleached in, in, in the last decade. You know, people who, who want to address environmental change and climate change, loss of habitat. I mean, there's been some extraordinary stuff recently about how not only have we got a man-made climate change to deal with, but there's a big impact of that is we're losing species at a rate that we've never done before. And these species can't be recovered. You know, you can have the pipe dream, oh, we're bringing back with gene editing or, or uh, you know, some kind of Frankenstein scheme where we can spark them back to life. I mean, there's, there's talk of trying to resuscitate a, a Tasmanian tiger, but those things are pretty unlikely. So, so is that part of National Science Week? No. No, that's just as where you're going, as in that's it's important to be involved in science. I, I'm saying that, you know, science has got all sorts of applications and, and, and one of them is addressing a very urgent need and, and to... natural uh, resources. Natural resources and, and national treasures and climate change, which uh, is something that's pretty out there in the public eye and the public mind right around the world. Different governments taking different approaches. Some people say that they're dragging their feet. Others say they're, they're, uh, they should be focusing on more sort of immediate concerns. There's all sorts of interests 
just but that's just one example of science another is space exploration you know we're talking about private investment and development of space technologies that seems to be the way it's going governments like you know the US and NASA its space agency increasingly well they're involved but they're they're pulling away from some aspects of it they're partnering up with the private sector so if you want to have a really interesting job you know say you wanted to be a doctor what a great area to specialize in space medicine would be a fascinating thing to get involved yeah, in yeah. or engineering maths all these, these science type uh, subjects are the uh, the pathways that people need to follow if they want to wind up whether it's in um, you know in nuclear physics whether it's in astrophysics whether it's in groundbreaking medical technologies whether it's in developing the latest application that for a smartphone all this sort of stuff tends to require a stem background that science technology mm. engineering maths mm. The CSIROs come out with some pretty scary figures about jobs that are going to disappear in the next 15 or so years. And uh, I think they're saying... What are they? Well, I think they're saying... definitely going to disappear? I think they're saying 40% of current Australian jobs will be automated or will be won't exist because of things like artificial intelligence machine learning Mm -hmm. um, automation robotics i have huge fears about this yeah i think that it's i think it's real but i think that there'll be jobs for people who you know who've adapted who've or who've you know if they're young enough they've chosen the right subjects to put themselves in a position where there are new jobs so Mm -hmm. that just as there'll Mm -hmm. be old jobs replaced by automation there'll be new jobs created by it Science is a fascinating field, and obviously, I'm not a scientist. And you, being the uh, the god of uh, beyond infinity, I, I would <laughs> I'd like to say that um, two questions for you. I want to ask these two questions, mm. and, and what what's your passion in the science field? And with Science Week, what would you what would you be attending or getting involved in? Well, look, it's we're in Science Week. There are some events on. Uh, there's some screenings. There's, there's actually a VR event at Rosebud Library. I'm going to try to get along to because what, if you've, if what's you've ever the VR, VR virtual reality, those okay, headsets you yeah, put on, yeah. Oculus Rift, I'm really um, showing my HTC. Age, yeah. There's, I mean, this is the future of gaming. So video gaming is and now that the, the VR artists and people who produce stuff for VR headsets. That's a, a big growing area in Australia and around the world, providing the content for people who've got those headsets and the price of the headsets is coming down. There are some events on at Rosebud Library this week. I suggest you plug in your postcode for Rosebud. If, the, if you're down there or if you're in a surrounding suburb, you can get to Rosebud, go to the website scienceweek.net.au, you'll find out all about it. There are some great things to do. There's movies, there's presentations, there's seminars. Libraries seem to be a hub of um, activity for National Science Week around the country, not just on the Mornington mm-hmm. Peninsula. And, you know, the other part of your question, you know, what, what, what am I most interested in? Well, virtual reality, I think, is amazing. I've, I've had the opportunity to put a headset on uh, in recent times. There's actually a, a TAC road safety project or display, if you like, at uh, the Melbourne Museum in the city in Carlton. Mm-hmm. You go there and you put on a VR headset and you kind of get taken along a road that shows you the development. You know, you see your 1970s Datsun 120Ys and stuff and then things change as you go along this road and you find yourself in an electric car of the future that, mm-hmm. you know, that then goes, drives Still. into a parking a garage and then goes down an elevator and then goes into this uh, subway system of, you know, automated electric cars. And it's very immersive. That's the thing that's so incredible about it. You can look around, you can really look up, down, left, right, the word immersive is is correct. It's a correct so, term. So, uh, paralleling it with the movie, yeah, like Endgame. Have you seen that? No. They actually get like the world is 
full of rubbish that's polluted, it's destroyed, they don't care anymore about all these natural resources at all because life has become virtual reality. Right. So they're actually living inside those headsets. Can you see a fear that it actually could come true? I mean, we had a fear, you know, James Bond movies not long, long ago when they, they'd be able to tap into the satellites and control everybody's kitchen appliances and know everything that everybody's doing. And, you know, it's like a Big Brother 1984 of the, modern, of the modern times. I think that there's lots and lots of examples of where technology that was dreamed about by science fiction has come true or is coming true. You just have to look at the use of facial recognition technology around the world. Okay, it has some benefits. Would you, but it would you all- ever, would you right now, mm. ever invest putting your face on the internet knowing that is going to be abused because there's no rules around it well that's right and people do it all the time with social media people are always upload every image that gets uploaded to facebook is subject to facial recognition technology if you look closely at the terms and conditions which you click on to agree to even be able to launch the app on your smartphone those terms and conditions include the fact that a lot of these social media companies can they how own your photo. They how can many 12-year-olds where they want this? I just did a piece on, on the live show Beyond Infinity earlier today about a thing called Face App, not Face ID, but Face App. It's a Russian-based application. Well, that's, that's reinforcing. It invites you, invites you to, to, um, to, to upload your photos uh. and give access to some of your photos in your, in your photo library on your, on your device. And they go up to the server. Machine learning and artificial intelligence technologies are applied, and it'll extrapolate out and give you quite an eerily accurate view of what you might look like in 30 years' time. That, but that's and, the and, entrapment, and they isn't know, it? Well, well, then the question is... so. You do it because you want to see. see. A lot of people, vanity, whatever it is, curiosity, it is totally mor- morbid curiosity, want to have a look. And and then what happens to the data is that you, in, in clicking yes on those T's and C's, that data could wind up on a billboard in St. Petersburg. Yeah. You know, your, your photo could be up there. They could mash it up with anything else, anything they wanted to. They've sold, you've sold your rights. That very valuable biometric data, which is your face, don't forget your face, well, it gets you through an airport. I mean, in Australia, we have smart gates through through customs and immigration now so you can uh, you can use your face to gain access to a country increasingly you can use it to open up a phone this technology is is potentially up for abuse but it's also very useful uh, it provides security but it also in in places like china and hong kong right now it's being used by the authorities to, mo- to, to monitor people who are doing what they regard as uh, as bad things or, or anti-social or anti-government behavior it makes it that much easier to arrest you so that's why they're using a lot of the uh, protesters are wearing masks or or um yeah, you know, covering have, covering yeah. their face up yeah. and they're even using, using even, even using umbrellas or even lasers quite powerful lasers to point at cameras to uh, upset the uh, the use of facial recognition technology so the answer is to your question it's being used for good and ill you're listening to beyond infinity There's an interesting film called Gemini Man, just on the same sort of subject, where yeah. Will Smith, who's now about a 50-year-old Hollywood actor, does a lot of action films. Yeah. Um, well, in this film, he comes up against himself. So they've gone backwards in time and created a digital version of Will Smith, who's, who's 25 years younger than the real Will, who he battles against in this movie. The second Will Smith, the young version, doesn't exist, but he's been created. And I looked at a trailer of it. It's not released yet. It comes out in October, I think. And it's incredible what they can do. I mean, the young Will Smith is absolutely believable. 
as as uh, 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 you know a young version. Yeah. As a, yeah. he, he looks just as real as the real version. So this is the sort of stuff that can be done. They call it deep faking, Adam, where they can substitute your face. They can take words and, and images. If there's enough stuff in the public domain, they can manipulate Donald Trump to say anything. You yeah, know, and make yeah. it look very real. Yeah. So yeah. that's called deep faking. Deep, if, deep faking. Deep faking. If we, if we want to take control of the future, then we are going to need plenty of people with scientific understanding. I think that's a, that's a, a pretty fundamental point of National Science Week or to remember in National Science Week. And if you're wondering, if you're scratching your head and going, gee, what, what should I be encouraging my kids to do or what do I want to study at university or what do I want to do when I've finished this phase of my career and I want to go back to uni and study and change course? Well... I would have thought learning things like coding, learning about science and technology and and getting some skills in that area, not only is it future-proofing your career and your livelihood, but it's also perhaps allowing you to have a say in, in a world that is rapidly changing and science fiction is becoming science fact. I'm I'm absolutely flabbergasted by by the, what you've just told me. So look, I've got a quick little heads up. Is that uh, it was called um, Ready Player One? You might know that I had the wrong okay. description there for the movie. The movie is um, a, a Steven Spielberg uh, movie, and it's actually set in 2045, and it's when the world is on the brink of chaos and collapse. Uh, but the people find salvation and escape reality by going into virtual reality and playing games and living with each other in that world. Sort of bit of a matrix feel to it, yes. you know, that we're reproducing everything, but they're all looking through an electronic environment. Yep. So let's hope we're not manifesting that for the future mm. because of all these things we were saying that have been manifested in sci fi in the past have become reality. Yep. Let's make sure that everybody uh, listening or involved, um, make sure you don't manifest that one because it'd be terrible not to be able to walk along the beach or amongst the forests or go snow skiing. Or the other thing that I think is a dream that uh, that a lot of people we had the 50th anniversary of the Apollo uh, moon landing Apollo 11 Apollo 11 yep that was in uh, July 1969 how old were you then barely existent barely you were alive I was three years and two months and one day do you remember seeing it Uh, no no no. Pretty young to be able to remember that. No. I actually have a vague feeling that I do. I can remember. Sort of I being, remember all the talk being plonked on the floor in front of a black and white. Yeah, ours uh, was just box. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty grainy. It wasn't a great picture, yeah. but but you know, look, it was an amazing thing to see. And one of the things that I was going to mention is that uh, I just was hearing about this recently. Is we've got Elon Musk is this big proponent. He's mm-hmm. a, he's got SpaceX. He wants to go to Mars, right? Yeah. And he said one of the reasons to go to Mars is if we stuff up the planet, we want to have a backup. We want to ensure the survival of the species. If there's a if the climate collapses or if there's a nuclear war, we need to have some of the species colonize Mars somewhere else so can, that they can, can we create an atmosphere there. Well, probably that's going to be difficult. Um, that's uh, terra- terraforming. That's a difficult one. That's another science fiction uh, yeah. concept from uh, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, film. they can build a big dome. Yeah, that and I know oh, that was a producing of oxygen, mm, yes. wasn't it? Well, were, he yeah. put his hand into the, yeah, into yeah, the yeah, yeah. alien handprint and and set uh, off the terraforming total, machine. Total Recall. Total Recall. Great film. That was uh, 19, 1990 or something. That film came out. I remember going and seeing it in New York of all places, mm-hmm. and uh, and a very rowdy audience with all sorts of things going on in the back of the theatre. Anyway. Um, that's that's another another, <laughs> another story. sci-fi story. Yeah, another sci-fi story. But yeah, the, the point I guess is that science fiction increasingly becomes science fact, and we do want to have some role in the future. And so, science is going to be the key to, to having that role and understanding science and having some skills in science and technology. On the subject of going to Mars, they've done some studies recently about radiation. Now, the only time that humans have ventured beyond the protective 
magnetosphere of the Earth. So the Earth's magnetic field protects you. If you're on the International Space Station, you're within that magnetosphere. Mm-hmm. So cosmic radiation yeah. doesn't damage you in the way it does once you go beyond the Earth's magnetic field. And the only time that's happened is when the astronauts, those 24 in total, who left to go to the moon, right, whether they mm-hmm. landed or not, right? Mm-hmm. So a very small number of people, and they only went for about a week to 10 days. It was, I think the Apollo 17 might have been the longest, probably about 10, 10 days or so in mm-hmm. deep space. Then it came back and was safely within the magnetosphere. Big problem, when you're in space, you think it's bad getting an x-ray or having multiple x-rays or exposure to mm-hmm. cat scans that kind of gadgetry on earth well once you go out beyond the magnetosphere of the earth there's cosmic rays which could like cook a chicken for you you know mm-hmm. you just mm-hmm. hang put your space suit on take the chicken outside for a while bring it in it's ready to go so what it sort so, of it, it nukes it, but are they like little spurts or is yes, it a big broad? No, yeah, it's a little well, spurt. They're, but they're very frequent. Yeah. There's a lot of this stuff, and they're even coming from outside the solar system. So there's stuff that gets emitted from the sun, bad enough when you're out there, but it's the, actually the, the interstellar radiation that comes from beyond our solar system, yeah. things that get emitted by supernova explosions, very long-lived radiation that just travels through space. A, a, it can kill a, you? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so one of the problems with going to Mars is that you need protection from that radiation. You're going to be exposed to that radiation for at least six months each way. And plus, there's not much protection on the surface of, of Mars because there isn't much atmosphere. They built a great big much. dome there, a city dome well, like, like yeah, Harbour Yeah, maybe. Um, they're not going to create an they say they say that war, no and and uh, there's not much of a magnetosphere it doesn't uh, mars doesn't have the same kind of strong magnetic field that the earth does so there's not that natural protection that we have on earth and that means that we have another technological hurdle not just to build the rocket that can get us there and have all the food and set up once we get there and have a way to survive on 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 mars but we actually need a way to survive deep space exposure. That's a fundamental thing. If, if humans are going to be interstellar or interplanetary, they've, mm-hmm. got to be able to, they've got to get that radiation problem. And there's been some recent studies saying that's a major, it's not just a minor one, it's a major, major hurdle to get around. Okay, well, I'm going to be self-indulgent here. Mm-hmm. Just quickly, in space, there's a thing that I cannot comprehend, that it never ends it never ends. Space just keeps going forever. Mm. Is it possible that it does have an end? Is yep. it possible we're in a box sitting on an alien's lap? Yeah, it and ends. We're a little microbiology that's, that's right. experiment. Yeah, maybe we're we're a we're a speck of dust on the fingernail of a giant in, yeah. in, in another. Uh, plane of existence look i suppose it's all possible they actually don't know whether the universe is infinite or not you know there's they say there was a big bang 13.7 billion years ago they actually don't know what happened before that what was before 13.7 billion years ago must have been Um, something you'd reckon or are there multiple universes or have there been multiple big bangs within an infinite space that we are in we, we don't know isn't it impossible for us to comprehend that there is anything beyond infinity yes it is that's why i do the show yeah i know that's so why this show is called beyond infinity because we're trying to find it because you've got my mind blown <laughs> because i'm, away because I'm trying to <laughs> there used to be a guy who, who uh, introduced the show for me before i well he did the show before me and he'd say in the last five minutes of his show at you know five minutes to, to 11 on tuesday he'd say uh, uh coming up we have beyond infinity then he'd say what is beyond infinity yeah okay well so, so the answer is that we don't really know what's beyond infinity infinity itself is a very nebulous concept but back to national science week yes there are some great events on 
Yeah. And and one yeah. thing one thing I do suggest that you you do is you use their their search engine. You put in your postcode. So I'm going to put in postcode for the Mornington Peninsula and see what it comes up with. Here we go. So there is at the Mornington Peninsula Library in Rosebud, so the Morn Pen Library Service, which is libraries that share books and stuff over the whole Mornington Peninsula. And I really recommend and, and really have to say that I love the libraries on the on the peninsula. I think it's such a great service. Yeah, There's is. a mobile library and a truck. If you wanna if you wanna borrow DVDs, I mean forget going to the the, the DVD library. I mean no, everyone has forgotten doing that. You can find all sorts of stuff. You can order it in, and you can even say, "Oh, look, you don't have this uh, particular episode or series of Game of Thrones. Could you get it?" And they'll go, "Of course. We'll just put an order in, and, and you know, a couple of weeks later, they'll send you an email saying it's there." So it's a great service. There are things on. So libraries are kind of key hubs during National Science Week. Um, uh, there's a big one today. The rock out with the robot at the Mornington Library as well, which exactly. is which is going to be a lot of fun. And the Astronomical Society is having their uh, 50 Years of the Moon. I think you might have mentioned that yeah, previously. I did. Yep, that's at the Briars at Mornington. That's a, a very active uh, group there. There, I think it's tonight. They're having a talk there. They are, and with the uh, Southern Peninsula Orchestra playing, you know, under oh, really? the stars. Apparently, oh, oh yeah. that'd be great. Well, hopefully it'll clear up because yeah, I think it's uh, the weather's been a little bit inclement of yeah. late. There's a sea turtle talk at Rosebud Library on August the 17th. Come dive into the fascinating world of sea turtle biology with Dr. Kimberly Riskus and learn how you can help protect these ancient reptiles. There's gardening soils with pH testing for gardening buffs. Bring a jar of soil from home and learn how to manage the soil pH levels in your organic garden. You'll have the opportunity to test your soil and optimise the health of your garden. Nitro ice cream at Rosebud Library on August the 17th. Watch the science of using liquid nitrogen to instantly turn liquid into the creamiest ice cream. Demonstrations and ice cream giveaways. My God, I know a bunch of kids who would just... Well, forget the kids. Hard wheels I'll for go myself. Exactly, let's just go. I've already got, the, already got it worked out. I'm, I'm going to head down there and see the Rock the Robot. Yep. And I'm going to see uh, Save the Bees and the Sea Turtles and have some ice cream. Space for Girl Guides and Scouts. This is at the Briars Astronomy Centre and Observatory, Mount Martha. It's near Mornington. This is coming up. This is not part of National Science Week, but it's a science-related story. It's September the 13th, 2019. Google the Mornington Peninsula Astronomical Society, but they're great. I've actually been along there. They've got a proper shed with a slide-out roof, um, big telescopes on tracks that that move. Mm-hmm automatic tracking of an object and you can look at distant galaxies. And you, you go can, there any time? Yeah, pretty much any time. I think Fridays, you've got to either be a member of the society, in which case you might have a telescope and you want to get involved on a sort of deeper level. Mm-hmm. And they're a nice bunch of people. They're all space enthusiasts. They're all space geeks, but they're, they're great. Yeah. They mean well. They're still they're, interesting. They're harmless. So they have an open night for, for the public. I think you pay 20 bucks or 25 bucks to go along on the first Friday of the month. I think it's probably worth booking, telling them you're coming. Sling them some bucks and uh, you can go and check out all their telescopes and all the equipment they've got there. But they're quite an organised group. So thank you very much, Adam, for coming been, in. It's been a pleasure joining you uh, today, Piers. I must say that, you know, I'm going to uh, back up on your show now on a regular basis every Tuesday. So I think we should probably uh, cross-pollinate a little bit and, ha- and add a science section to my show. Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, and a little bit of a run-in from, from yours. I think we get on well. I look forward to, uh, to sharing that with you in the coming Absolutely. months. Absolutely. And you're very welcome behind the mic from 11 on Tuesdays. We do it and then it winds up going out into the ether through the wonders through of the podcasting. Podcast, yeah, podcast so world. Well, thanks for having me. Mate, pleasure to have you. Adam Westaway, a guest on Beyond Infinity, talking about National Science Week. Thanks, Adam.
infinity, infinity.